Welcome on in to another Weber State Wildcat podcast. I'm Paul Grua, and joined by Weber State Athletic Director Jerry Bovey for another podcast today. Jerry, excited about this today. We got a guy that's I think people know about a little bit, and it has a lot of fun stories. I'm sure we're going to get to. It's Weber State head coach Jay Hill, the head coach of the Weber State football team. Thanks for joining us this morning. No problem. Glad to be with you guys. Are you ready for all the questions we're going to throw at you? Absolutely. Okay. Good. So, Jay Hill, in his uh, start to, starting his fourth year, hard to believe, already at Weber State here this coming fall. And as we record this here at the end of May, he's, uh, we're about 100 days away from the season beginning. I know. Can you believe that? It comes fast, huh? Yes, it does. I'm really excited about it, to say the least, because every year is a new adventure with this one. So <laughs> It is an adventure. Know. Football is an adventure. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to talk about your, your life at, at Utah, your history from there, and and so forth, and some of the things you've learned from some legendary coaches, and so forth. But we're going to start with uh, going back about three years, just a little over three years, in December of, of 2013. At that time, you had been a coach at Utah for a long time. How did you know you were ready to become a head coach? And then I get the, the follow-up question would be, why was Weber State interesting to you? Well, I, I've always known about Weber State, growing up in the state of Utah, and you know, having when I was in high school, Weber, Weber State had the Jamie Martin era and, and some some teams that were exciting and they were getting good crowds out to the game. So I've known about Weber State for a long time. Um, there's always been a draw to this area. I don't know what it is. Uh, I always liked coming up to the games. I liked uh, just this part of the Ogden area. We won a state championship here in basketball at the D Event Center my senior year. So th- there's always been a little bit of a a mystique or an aura about this place that I loved and then you know I I don't even know what was the draw but about mid-season that year before I came up here something was telling me that uh, Weber State would be a a cool job you should look into it if it opened and uh, when it opened I I immediately reached out and said that this would be a job I'd at least be interested in looking at. Jay, or Jerry, you could talk about this process, too, about hiring Jerry, or hiring Jay. Yeah, it, it was interesting. So Jay reached out first, I think, Jay, and, and and we just started kind of a slow process of talking back and forth, and then there were some phone calls, and the more I did some checking, I didn't know Jay. Yeah. In fact, I remember, I think we were in the office, and you'd said, oh, I just got an email from this Jay Hill, and what do you know about him? And we'd heard the name, but didn't know much about him. Well, so I started getting on the phone and calling a little bit, and the more I called, the more intrigued I got. And so we kind of just slowly moved toward. And I, th- I think that's how a lot of jobs go. Like, I had I had former players, and I had some people that were close to the Weber State program saying, hey, listen, if this job opens, you should throw your name in the hat. And it just... I think when those kind of communications start, it's really slow at first, and then all of a sudden it catches fire, and then things go super fast. Because a good job, I think, and you can talk about this, is not just the X's and O's. It, it has to do with the support, the, the resources that are there, the facilities. The, I mean, it's, it's about the whole package. It's not just, it's not just yeah. you know, yeah. what, what you might do on the field or who you can attract. It's the whole thing. Yeah. You were... Uh, what, 38, 39 at the time, though? You know, I had never been a head coach. Did you feel like you were ready, though, at that point in your life for the next step? Well, I absolutely did, but you got to get the opportunity. Yeah. And the right and opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. It, it wasn't like I was just going to jump at any head coaching spot. Um, it had to be the right one. It it had to be one where I really felt like we could go in and win. And But I felt prepared with the coaches that I had been around and watched uh, our program grow and be built at the University of Utah I just 
uh, I was around it, and I was around some phenomenal head coaches and, and felt like it was a fun opportunity and time for me to go out and venture out on my own and try to add my own flair to it. You know, and it was interesting to me, too. Jay was very persistent in the process, which is a sign. I mean, I, there's a certain cues for me that he was very persistent, but it wasn't overbearing, and we just kind of grew it. And I'll never forget, you know, I called a few people and finally made a call to uh, Coach Anderson. And, and you know, I didn't know Coach Anderson, but he knew a little bit about me, and he just said, you're an idiot if you don't talk to this guy. <laughs> so you yeah. can see him saying that, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I said, okay, well, Coach, let's get right to it. So then I remember we the night, you know, we had talked about trying to line up, and he was busy. He was in recruiting and doing other things and, and trying to figure out how we're going to get this together to get him up to campus. And we had been at UVU playing a basketball game. We lost. Right. So I was a little surly, surly coming home. And we talked on the phone late. It was late at night. Yep. And kind of he had a busy schedule. We arranged early in the morning the next morning to meet. And I told the story on the radio, but maybe not in front of him. When he came into that meeting with our small committee, very small committee, he had a package to hand out to everybody, you know, kind of. A, and it's common that coaches will do that. Yeah. But he'd taken the time to put watermark on it and make it a Weber State package. And the receipt slipped out of his bag when he was handing it out. Well, I, I reached down and picked it up. I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I reached down and picked it up, and I looked. It was a Kinko's receipt, and it was like at midnight, 1 o'clock, one thirty in the morning. And I thought, this guy, we talked at 10 o'clock last night, and he he was up late putting this together and going to get it color printed. I'm intrigued. Yeah. And then and then he went on to interview, and, and I have never been in a I've, – I've hired a lot of people now. A lot of football coaches right. too, right? Yeah, you get good at that. I've never been in, a, in an interview where it was articulated more clearly than what he did. This is who I am. This is what you're going to see, and and it just it took off from there. Well, and that's a, that's a weird time for a football coach because you're just wrapping up the season yeah. that you were currently involved in. And I was out recruiting, and I had called Coach Whittingham and said, "Hey, listen, I think I'm going to have an interview tomorrow at Weber State. I just want to give you a heads up, or you know, in two days." Right. Uh, but I was out recruiting at the time, and, you know, this is still a process where you're not sure that you're interested in the job. I mean, you're not sure how interested really they are in you, and but you don't want to go and just look like a fool. So you're trying to get recruiting done, wrap up the season, and go into an interview and not look like an idiot. And um, so that's where it was one of those things like you're going to Kinko's late at night, like Jerry said. And then right when I got done with my interview, I was running as fast as I could in my car to go to the airport because I was heading back out recruiting. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have a time that day. Well, we did. We, we went around and looked at facilities, and that's when I think he started to get more yeah. intrigued. So that that's one thing I didn't know. I didn't know about the indoor facility. Yeah. I'd never been in the locker mm -hmm. rooms here. Um, I had been at the stadium, but quite frankly – I don't know that I'd been up at the stadium with the addition of with the, the press new box field and all and, that, and yeah, the, absolutely. the new field and just everything that they put in while. up here. It's so, been a while. So you, you talked about resources, though, and obviously it doesn't take anybody to can figure out that Utah, obviously in the Pac-12 at the time, compared to Weber State, the resources are very different. But so it still intrigued you. I mean, it's been a challenge, I'm sure, but it still intrigued you enough to say that you had a potential to win here. Well, it's all relative. Yeah. Right. We're not having to compete against packed right. facilities right. and stuff like that right now. And but on par with what we have, I think we will compete with Mountain West schools and we'll compete with uh, the other Big Sky schools and be at the elite of those area areas. But you're not competing against everybody in the country. 
was it a big shock though to come from the maybe the or not a shock, but a, a change, a challenge for you at first to, to the change that from a Pac-12 to Big Sky. No, I think that it's just something that you understand. What you, okay. I mean, that there's definitely things that you confront that are like, oh crap, I didn't see that one coming, <laughs> or or some things like that. But it, if if you don't expect some bumps in the road and some some things to sideswipe you a little bit, then you're not very smart. Yeah. Yeah. That, that stuff's always going to occur. I don't care what job you take or who you go, where you go. And probably, as you said, you know, a lot of people, even in the area, in the Utah area, don't understand maybe the facilities that we do have in place at Weber State. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, I didn't and know. You didn't. I didn't know f- fully. And uh, But, you know, there's coaches, Coach Whittingham, Coach Anderson. Um, those guys always spoke very highly at Weber State. And those guys coached in the big sky. Yes. And they, they always spoke very highly of Weber State and the job that this was. Yeah. And so when the opportunity came up, that's why I was intrigued with it. So let's talk about some legendary coaches. When you first got hired, you mentioned there were several that had influenced your career. We want to talk about each one, maybe some things you learned from each one and a story or two. Let's start start with Kyle Whittingham. You spent a lot of time with Kyle. Well, I did. Kyle's like a dad, like a brother, a good friend. Uh, I consider him a really good friend. And in my opinion, probably the smartest football coach in the country. He's... X's and O's as good as anybody there is. He knows the defensive side of the ball, like I say, maybe better than anybody in the country. And I don't have any uh, reservations in saying that. He's just super smart and understands the game. And that's what I learned from him. I learned the organization, the detail, the knowledge of the game. I wish I had all of his knowledge. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't be more blessed than to have coached with him so long. And played for him, too, exactly. which is big. Yeah. Uh, Gary Anderson would be another one that you coach with. Well, I thought I thought Gary did an unbelievable job and, and still does an unbelievable job of really combining Coach Witt, Coach, you know, Urban Meyer, uh, Coach McBride. I think he did a good job of really combining the the group. And Gary was the one that recruited me to the University of Utah, so I got to see him as a recruiter, as a mentor, and again, again another guy that I'm extremely close with and one heck of a football coach and he does an unbelievable job of just managing everything and being a players coach too the players love to play for him well you mentioned urban meyer he's the other one that you said has influenced your career well i'll be the first to admit when urban first took over at utah i didn't like him (laughs) i I mean when i first met him i I didn't like him the players didn't like him he was this back east guy from ohio that really rubbed people the wrong way when he first took over and then the more i got to know the guy, the more I grew to love him because I knew he was about winning. I knew he was about being dedicated to getting a job done, and he embraced it. I mean, he came in and he he got right involved with the Mormon culture in the state of Utah, with the Polynesian culture, and and those were things that were uncomfortable to him. And he just knew how to dive into a community, into a culture, and 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 he changed some things up there that obviously brought some huge success to the program and. I learned a ton from him. He's one heck of a football coach, obviously. Oh, yeah. One, of, one of the greatest. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is look at his yeah. record. But he's he's an adapter, too. He, he takes his style and philosophy, and he adapts it. I mean, he went from Bowling Green, Ohio, where he was in his home state, and then he comes out to yeah. Utah, which is a completely different culture, and then goes down to the south and the SEC and goes to Florida. And, it, I mean, just all the cultures he's taking care of, he, he's an adapter, and he does an unbelievable job of instilling his program in different um, societies and communities. Yeah, what he did at Utah those two years is unbelievable. And yeah. You can make an argument they may not even, you know, be where they are now if it wasn't for those two years. Certainly, 
put them on the map. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. but, you know, one thing I'll say about Coach Myers, he took over a really, really good football team that Coach McBride left him. And there was a ton of talent, and he just threw his flavor and tweaks into it. And my guess is Coach McBride would have been super successful at those two teams sure. as well. It just, uh, that's one thing Matt can do. Matt can recruit as good as anybody, and the team that Irvin took over was very, very talented. Absolutely. Well, and Mac was the other one I want to talk about. Of course, became a Weber State coach, but you played for him and coached with him as well. Yeah, and, and, and Mac's Mac, right? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's fun. He's got tons of charisma. He can recruit, and... He can recruit anybody. He can recruit uh, the white Mormon player. He can recruit the African American kid, the Polynesian kid. He can recruit. He can recruit, and and people know that he's genuine and they love him. And yeah, I've tried. I've tried to model that same thing in my recruiting. That it doesn't matter who it is. Uh, you got to be able to recruit them all because you're going to need them all on your team. And he, that, that was chameleon, his strength. He, he is. is a well, and funny, right? Like Mac. Still to this day, you can bring him in here right now. We'd be rolling on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, there's a principle in endearing people to you, telling a story. If you know the tell to win notion, and Mac has that mastered. He can tell a story and just hold people. Absolutely. And we did a radio interview a couple of months ago, and Jay came over to join it, and he's over there going, "What are you guys talking about?" Because Mac can take you all over and yeah. lead you to places you don't want to go. Give us a famous uh, Mac laugh, Jerry. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> We're talking with Jay Hill, head coach of the Wildcat football team, with Jerry Bovey. Uh Let's talk about your your years at Weber State. You know, the, the 2014 season will go down as you know not maybe the record that you obviously wanted, but you made incredible progress from the year that we had before, and you could tell that the team was competitive and on the verge of of having success, but I'm sure it was very challenging to deal with, with the losses that came that year. Well, that was the most yeah. difficult thing I've ever been through. As a, as a family, I mean, th- th- there's so much crap that went on that year that, I mean, there, there are times you go home at night and go, what the heck did I get myself <laughs> into? But then uh, there was always the light at the end of the tunnel, and you could see the promise, and you could see the kids getting better. And the year before, they were getting beat 70-7, to seven, yeah. and... And then we go down to Arizona State the next year. We play 14-14 with them in the second half. And there was some promise there. And you could see that the players were slowly buying in. And quite frankly, I thought I was going to be a one-year wonder. And I was going to come in. It was going to be, I was going to go from 2-9 and nine to, to freaking 9-2. and two. Right. And it just, once you get into a situation like that, I, I realized, okay, this is going to, we're going to have to build a culture here. We're going to have to get this thing rolling the right way. And what did you learn most that first year? Mm, yeah, just that that you know you you don't grow a culture overnight and we needed to get some better players in which we did and we needed to get players to buy in which we did slowly and um, I also learned that the the big sky is way competitive I mean it's extremely competitive and I don't care who you are you could be the elite team in the conference you lose to the last place team in the conference if you're not ready to go one week and it's it's very competitive top to bottom every year. I think another thing that probably wasn't going to be on your mindset as much is the the tough times that we had had. I mean, yeah. you knew about it, but but football is one where you can't just change the culture overnight. You can come in and go a basketball setting. Randy's first year they win the conference, but you only got fifteen kids, yeah. and so you can you can kind of get that handled. But <laughs> bringing in a whole new staff. And with 90 players and all of all of the last three years of having three different coaches, it, it's a load. And I knew it was going to be. 
I, I figured he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So you know, my role, my role is, is they kept making you didn't tell yeah, me. No, my role is okay. I got to be there because the next he's used to winning. Right, he's a winner, and so it's not going to happen. And so I'm coming to press conferences that I normally don't like to go to, and I'm trying to go in the locker room once in a while because I need him to know, hey, I'm here and yep. you're not alone. And I'd call him on the phone after and. Just it's okay. Um, we're we're progressing because it it can sink you, especially someone who's just used to success and expects it from day one. Yeah. Well, we'd seen some success, right? I mean, like I said, we finished that Arizona State game. That was our first game on a high note, and then the next week we got North Dakota State, who were three-time defending national champs at the time, on the ropes in the fourth quarter, and then. So there were some 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 signs of real progression. We just weren't pulling out games, yeah. and it was it was that point that Jerry was making that was the hardest thing I found that you're trying to take a culture that's not used to winning into winning and it was that was the hardest part of teaching a football team how to win and that's what was different about like I say what Urban Meyer took over at Utah is Max teams knew how to win and, and they were successful and they were going to bowl games and beating USC and beating big teams uh, he, he just put his little flavor on a right. team that had already been successful we were taking over a team that had, had forgotten how to lose, and it was no one's fault, right? I mean, with, with, with what happened with John lot, Smith and some of the things, a lot of circumstances, yeah. it was no one's fault. It was, it was just weird, and it wasn't the players' fault. They just had to relearn how to win, and they've done that. That, that I'm proud of. I think that was a key, what he just said, too, is we would get to the precipice of pulling one out, and then we just would falter. Yeah, so many games. And, and talking to Jay at that time, he's like, we just got to forget how to lose. Yeah. We got to get them to where they forget that, and once we get there... But you were encouraged, too, because you had a lot of coaches after that season that would come up after you and say, hey, yeah. don't get down. They're, you're going to get this done. I mean, you, you were feeling that, that fear to some degree of all the other coaches that when you get this right, you're going to be a force to they, – They all said it. Yeah, I mean, you, you, they'd come up and say, this, this is not the same we were right. state team we played last year. And you, you can tell with the coaches and how they talk that things were changing, which was good, but – I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit those first nine games were not easy. Yeah, so many games that were so close there, but it just ended up not winning. So you go to the next year, 2015, and you start having a little more success. You, got, you start getting, winning some games. But I think even then you had some games that you'll remember that, boy, you could have won. And, you know, that season, another step in the right direction. Yeah, well, the good teams win some of those, lose some of them. The great teams find a way to win the big majority of them. And that's where we were at that year is we were just – We'd get in those close games, and we, you know, like a good example is we went up to Eastern Washington, and in my opinion, we beat them up and down the field. I think we outgained them by 240 yards for the game, and had 17 more first downs than they did, and we we just beat them up and down the field. Well, Eastern Washington knows how to win, and they found a way to pull that game out somehow, yeah. some way. They found a way to pull that game out. We found a way to miss four field goals, and um, and any one of those things win the game for us. We just found a way to not not win it and that's one thing that I'm proud of the players for is they they just got better and better and more resilient at you know pulling those tough games out and that's what the great teams do because I don't care who you are you're Alabama you're still going to have a couple close games that you're going to have to find a way to grind out and that's where we're at as a program is we we've got to take one more big step forward in when when it gets tight, then it's our game. Those those are our games. I think there were some key things that season, though. That so you lose some really tough games that could have just sunk your season. The Southern Utah game, 
it's a tough one. Uh, but then you turn that around and go up to Montana, yeah. and you get a win. So so there were some highs and some lows, but I think the highs kept us kind of rolling forward. We were seeing progress, and it gives you kind of hope that, all right, we're on a trajectory here. Well, and the, the end of that year, um, I really believe this. Had we found a way to make it into the playoffs that year, we were playing at the end of the year as good as anybody. And nobody would have wanted to play us at that, that stage. Because the offense was running the ball for about 250 yards a game. And the defense, the last 14 quarters of the year, the defense was giving up 180 yards a game. I mean, we were just dominant, dominant. Um, and that's about as good a football as we've played since I've been here, how we finished that year. Yeah. Um, so... Do you, as a coach, do you dwell more on the wins or the losses? Which impact you more? Well, something I learned from Kyle, you can never get too high, you can never get too low as a coach. Um, the losses hurt more than the wins feel good. Yeah. And, and that's, where, that's where coaching is maybe screwed up. Is The wins are, it's an elation like you've never felt before, but the losses are such unbelievable lows. Jerry mentioned that Southern Utah game two years ago. That was the low of my career just what happened there and we didn't play good and we turned the ball over and they played great and then you know last year's southern utah game was one of the biggest elations <laughs> that's one of the craziest games i've ever been involved best, in best drive back from cedar state ever <laughs> <laughs> but but that's how this game this profession is is and then the crazy thing is you come off a loss like that or a win like that and monday it's all gone it's on to the next opponent you you can't be uh, thinking too much about the last game and how cool it was or how bad it was because it will affect the next one. You just got to move on. So one thing about Jay that I noticed early on, and and you know, you have sources as an athletic director. I mean, the trainers they can tell you so much. Uh, I'll I'll talk to Joel and say how we doing, and and he'll have a sense of because he's down. He's with the athletes. He's with the coaches. He spent a lot of time with, and he would say, look, I. You know, I think we can be really good, but I'll tell you one thing about this guy we got is he does not panic. So you can football's a grind. A game is a game within itself. Mm-hmm. It's a grind, and sometimes plays can happen early in the first quarter where you can throw on the towel or you go for something. And he's like, he doesn't panic. He's always upbeat. There, so they're instilling hope that we just got to hang in yeah. there and try to be there at the end and let a couple of good things happen and things like that can happen. And that Southern Utah game, we could have thrown in the towel. I mean, we could have just said, okay, pack up the stuff. Let's get on to next week, and they just kept grinding it out. And once you get teams on their heels, you start being the enforcer. And I mean, it just happened; it rolled. Well, we, we talk about that game, and let's talk about this last season. Uh, obviously, one of the, your goals was to make the playoffs. You had more goals, and certainly more things you want to accomplish. But that was a huge accomplishment to make the playoffs. Well, that was our number one goal, yeah. um, and it will be, in my opinion, our number one goal next year as well. Uh, so, so there's so much when you when you hit that number one goal you have there's so much to be proud of and so much that the players will always carry with them and should be proud of um, and then now now it's the next step now we got to start competing for that conference title and now we got to start competing for buys in the playoffs or or multiple wins in the playoffs and and that's the next step and we've got to take it for us to be the elite program that I know we can be and the reason why I took this job because I know we can be that. You were talking with Weber State head coach Jay Hill. Let's go with a little rapid-fire questions. Just going to ask you a couple of quick things. Give us a quick answer. Uh, this includes your time at Utah and, and here, anywhere. What's the coolest stadium you've ever been in as a player or a coach? Well, the, 
the coolest place, and it was probably because of the game and the atmosphere, was playing in New Orleans um, in the Superdome and beating Alabama in the South. That was that was a cool experience. There, no oh, doubt. I can't imagine. Sugar Bowl. In the Sugar Bowl. In oh, the yeah, Sugar Bowl. Yeah. So that that talk state, about that a little bit more that game and what that was like. Well, so we were we had gone down there a couple days earlier and we had watched the Carolina Panthers play the New Orleans Saints and that stadium gets so loud. And we were down on the floor as the Saints were coming back and. I'm sitting right next to my wife, and we're down on the field, and I'm sitting right next to my wife, and it's so stinking loud in there, you can't, you can't, you can't hear yourself think, let alone hear the next person talking to you. And then a couple of days later, we're playing Alabama, and it is just like it at the start of the game. It's loud and crazy, and then by the end of the first quarter, dead silent. <laughs> dead silent, and the only thing you can hear is the Utah fans going crazy. So that was a fun deal, but we, we witnessed something like that similar Two years ago here at, at uh, Weber State where everyone's always told me, guys, just trust me. I don't care what Pac-12 stadium you've been in. You're going to go to Montana, and it's going to be as loud as anywhere you've played. No, I, I don't believe it. And sure enough, you come out of the tunnel, and Montana can get crazy and loud, and the fans are on you. And to, to take that crowd out of it for the whole second half of the game was huge. And to, to win up there, was th- th- those were probably two of Two highlights, but I mean, we got so many that yeah. it's hard to pick out. Just You've been to some amazing stadiums. You've been to the Big House. I've been to the Big House twice. I've been to Autzen Stadium's really cool in Oregon because it will get loud up there. Um, Rice Eccles when it's rocking. Utah Stadium's as crazy as it gets. Lavelle Edwards Stadium gets crazy loud. So, I mean, there's some there's some great venues yeah. I've been in. The Coliseum's cool at USC, but I don't know. I mean. There's something about playing in front of packed houses that it doesn't matter if it's 50,000 packed or 100,000 packed. They're, they're all fun when they're packed. Yeah, I was going to ask you your most memorable win at Weber State. Maybe a tough one to answer, but what's your most memorable win so far? Or, or well, I don't know. Probably the most memorable right now is the Southern Utah game last year and how we came back and the ride. Like Jerry mentioned, the ride home was unbelievable. The The... The one that really put us on the maps, the other one that's been mentioned, the Montana win there, that 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 told me and taught me that I don't care, we we can win anywhere in this conference. We just got to go put together a good game. We can win anywhere, and that's once your players believe that, then your culture really has changed. Who's the most famous person you have in your cell phone? <laughs> uh, LeBron James. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's call him up. Let's so I was going to get so, my kids excited. So uh, this is funny because the players are like, Coach, you, you don't ever do social media. And I said, whatever. LeBron James follows me on Twitter. And they didn't believe me. So sure enough, I took a Snapchat. One day I'm, I'm in the office or something, and I get this little tweet notification that comes up, Le- LeBron James is now following you. And so I took a snapshot of it when I did it. So now when the players are giving me a hard time, I just show them that LeBron wow. James follows me. Wow. Famous <laughs> Jay Hill. How about that? No, I don't know who's most famous in my phone. You've got a lot of famous people. Uh, um, you, as, uh, as after you finished your college career, you played briefly, you had some tryouts in the NFL, and then you played briefly in the XFL. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us some XFL stories? Was, yeah, have you seen the ESPN 30 for 30 on the XFL? I was right in the heart of that. And... It was crazy. So I'll tell you just one fun story. We we get to Orlando. That's where I got picked up to play. So I'm down in Orlando, and they do this big, huge gathering of, 
of the teams that are in that area at the time. And Vince McMahon and those guys come up on stage and they're basically telling us, okay, here's how the league's going to be, here's what we expect. And they got all these cheerleaders that were like crazy. Okay, I don't know where they got them, but they, I don't know if they went to the local strip clubs or what where they got them, but they, they were there, right? And, and it was very highly encouraged that they wanted the players dating the cheerleaders and they wanted this ruckus feel of WWF and football and anyway that was crazy times that was crazy time and you talk about physical practices and scrimmages that you do with other teams and stuff it was crazy wow I'm sure that was an amazing experience uh, we're talking again with Jay Hill head coach of Weber State a few more questions as we as we continue on you mentioned recruiting earlier on. Uh, it's obviously the lifeblood of, of college football or college athletics in general. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? How do you go from a place to, to a farm boy in Idaho to a kid in California to a Polynesian, as you mentioned? And how do you do that, and how do you sell the program? Well, it's all about relationships. And if you can't build relationships and you can't get to know a kid's family and get to know their girlfriends and get to know them and what makes them tick, then you're never going to be successful in recruiting. And that, that, that's something that that I learned from Coach McBride and Coach Anderson when I was being recruited down at the University of Utah. Is I, I just really felt they genuinely cared about me and my well-being and stuff like that. And, and so I've tried to hire coaches that are the same way. I, I don't want coaches that don't care about the kids. I don't want coaches that aren't going to go out there and bust their butt to know the families. And if the families have an issue or there's a problem that – they don't feel like we as coaches are people they can turn to. I don't, I don't want coaches like that. So I've hired really good guys that know how to go out and bust their butt and get to know these, these players and their families. And as a result, we've had a ton of success in recruiting because the, the families know we care about them. We, we, and we care about them more than just as players. We want them to get their degrees and be successful and be good, good members of society, not just good football players. You know, I'll get emails, and I know you get tons more of players from all over the place that just say, hey, you know, here's my highlight tape and so forth. How do you tell when you – can you see a highlight tape? How do you tell that uh, someone's going to be the right fit for you before you even visit them? Well, I mean, if you throw on the film of a five-star guy, it's – I mean, if you, can you watch two clips and it's like, this kid's a no-brainer. I mean, he's – that's easy. So if you're at Alabama or USC or somewhere like that, I mean, it's easy to recruit because – you just throw on those five-star guys and you say, well, there's no no doubt in my mind that this guy can help us. He can help us. The hard ones are the ones where you're trying to uh, project where they're going to be in three years or you got a really skinny guy and is he going to put on weight or you got a Polynesian guy that's underdeveloped and how's he going to continue to grow. Um, that's just a science and something that I'm lucky I was around Coach Witt and Coach Anderson, Coach McBride, because I, I thought those guys were masters of that. And you just, it, you get a feel for it. And there's some coaches that don't make hardly any mistakes in recruiting, and then there's others that make all kinds of mistakes. And you just pride yourself on hiring coaches that know what they're looking for and know how to land the ones that are the right ones. You talk about your coaching staff. I've been so impressed with the, the way you, you handle things with your staff. And you put in the hours, you put in incredible hours, but you also seem to find a time where they get their own personal time, family time, and time together outside of the office. Talk about that and your philosophy with the, the time that the coaches spend and the things that you guys do together. Well, I don't, I don't care what profession you're in. If you, if you go in the office every day dreading what you do, you're not going to be very productive. Or if you were up 
late, late, late the night before, and then you got to be in the office at six in the morning the next day. You're, gonna, you're not going to be as productive. Um, it just you can't be. And so I've taken an approach where we're going to grind, we're going to work really hard, but I want guys that come in the next day and are fresh and excited about being here. So we try to keep it fun, and I've got guys that know how to laugh and have fun and love coaching football. And then I've encouraged things like uh, the other day we went out and we did a huge pickleball tournament at noon with the coaches. I hear you're quite a pickleball player now. Well, we're not very good, but we like to play. And it's been way better on our Achilles tendons. So when we were... They intimidate well at pickleball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when we were doing noon basketball, we had two blown Achilles tendons, and uh, I, I had to fix that. So we picked up pickleball. But it's just a good opportunity. I, I'll, I think it's fun because... You get some competitive football coaches out there in pickleball, and then all of a sudden they're getting pissed at each other, and they're hitting that wiffle ball as hard as they can at each other, and it's it's fun to watch, but it's good for them too. It's a good mental release, and um, you try to find that balance, you know, where you try to take some Sundays off. You try to, t- but you guys have to work so many hours during the week, but you still have to try to find that balance. We do, like Sundays, uh, Monday mornings. We get in. I mean, there's coaches in here at four thirty in the morning on on Monday mornings, and and there's a balance because you still got to get the work done. I mean, if you're putting in 30 hours a week and your opponent's putting in 60, they're probably going to be more prepared than you. And we can't have that. We can't have our opponents way more prepared than us, and, and I'll refuse to let that happen. Uh, but I've also been part of staffs that at, at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, you're drawing up plays, and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that looks good. And then you get in the next morning, and it's 9 o'clock, and you're thinking clearly, and you think, what in the hell were we thinking? I, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying hell, but... but Bottom line, you, you 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 see those plays that you put in the night before. You think, what were we doing? Yeah, you can be effective. Grinding just to grind is not stupid. Yeah, smart. Uh, social media has changed the landscape of athletics and college athletics and recruiting. Certainly, how's that changed for you? Um, in a way, I like it. In a way, I hate it. Um, I don't like that people can just put out there that oh, I got offered by this school or that school just just so that it's all about them. And I want it to be, it should be more about the university, more about the team that they're joining and all that stuff. And so, I mean, there's certain things I really like about it, certain things I don't. It's made communication much easier, which is good. Um, but, and, and the other thing it's done is it allows us to see, you know, we can pull up Twitter, we can look at a kid's tweets, and we can look at what he posts and get a good insight on what his character is about. Um, but I, I'm not like some social media guru. I, I get on it and I can I can function, but I don't know. If you weren't coaching football, what what would you be doing? Um, stock. He'd be selling stock. <laughs> Insurance sales, better. probably. I don't know what I'd be doing. I I'd be doing some job that afforded me a lot of golf time. Something. No, I I don't know. That's a hard one. I like teaching kids. I like watching them grow. So I'd probably be some kind of college professor or something. But you've you've probably known your whole life. Have you wanted to get into coaching? No, no, no. I I duped my wife into marrying me because I told her <laughs> I was going to be a doctor. Um, I chose the University of Utah when I was being recruited because I wanted to get into med school and be a doctor and all that stuff. And then, um, yeah, just some. It, it's weird if if you followed my track on how I became a coach. And the only way I can explain it is inspiration. Someone was pushing me to this field and. And I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I don't know what. I don't even know how to explain. I'm just, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be because my track and how I got into it's crazy. Yeah, interesting. Uh, 
we're, we're just finishing up here a few more things. Special teams has been something that you've been involved with most of your coaching career. You seem to have a special love for special teams. Love it. Yeah. That, and, and I think the biggest reason why I love it is when Urban Meyer came into the University of Utah, he and, and I should say it actually started before that. Gary Anderson, when he was the special teams coordinator at Utah, I was the graduate assistant, and, and I became kind of his right-hand man in getting things together, and I didn't know hardly anything about it. I didn't play special teams when I was at Utah. And so I didn't know much about it. Well, it became this thing that, since I didn't know much about it, it was so intriguing to me because it was something new that I had to learn. And then Urban came and put his flair on it, and then when Urban left, Kyle gave me the opportunity to be the special teams coordinator, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And it was a side of the game, in my opinion, that you could have such a huge impact on the game and that other teams overlooked at times. And um, we had some huge performances when I was at the University of Utah and here at Weber that where we just flat dominated opponents on special teams and it's had a huge um, impact on the outcome of the game. You love those fake punts and things like that. You try to get something in every game, some little trick play? So I go into every game scouring on Sunday and Monday for a fake field goal, a fake punt, some way to change the tide of the game with special teams. And for a couple reasons. The players love it. They like trick plays. They like doing things that make the crowd go crazy. And then the fans love it. So every time we go out and punt, when we were at the University of Utah, the fans would perk up when we were kicking the ball off or when we were punting. That was like, to the fans, it was one of the best parts of the game. Because they'd perk up, they had no idea what was coming. And I still, like, when I go down to Salt Lake and people see me, they, they, they say the same thing, like, oh, we, we loved watching the kickoff team or we loved watching punt because we just never knew what to expect. Yeah, that's fun. You mentioned your wife, Sarah. Uh, we, obviously, she's been in the news and uh, the number of things that she's dealing with. Can you give us an update there and, and then talk about how challenging that's been the last year for you? Yeah, what have you learned about what matters most this year? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's been crazy. And family, obviously, is what drives everything. And that's one reason why I am the way I am with my assistant coaches is all you got to do is have your wife get cancer and you find out that there's more important things in life. Um, and if you balance it right and you have good people around you, you can still be successful even though you're going through some challenging times. And that's that's been huge. As far as she goes, she's right in the heart of her bone marrow transplant. Um, they reintroduced all her stem cells yesterday. So... Um, Two weeks ago, we went through her collection phase where she was getting all of her stem cells, and then they freeze them, and then last week was high-dose chemotherapy for six straight days, and supposedly everything should be gone right now as far as all the cancer should be dead and all of her blood cells are dead now. So they, they did the transplant yesterday, and now it will be just a matter of those stem cells honing in on their location and setting up shop and reproducing new stem cells and, and new blood you know, red blood cells and white blood cells and all that. Wonderful. Uh, she, you know, this came out in August, right in the thick of fall camp, you know, and you're dealing with this. And you, you got to, obviously, all through the season, as people, everywhere you go, you know, ask you about that. What was that like to deal with that as a, as a coach? Still trying to coach a football team, but have something very important with your wife. Well, I mean, it, it is what it is. You just, you've got one battle of football in your job and you got another battle with your kids and you got another battle with your wife and you just find a way to balance them and fight and claw and dig and um, her toughness and, and determination has been unbelievable as it is with most cancer patients because what do you do? I mean, you, you, you got one decision. You can fight or you can give up um, but you got to make that decision and 
she's fun. Claude, I couldn't be more proud of her. So right. we'll give her our, our best and all of our fans, of course. Uh, what's the future for Jay Hill? I don't know. If you could tell me or Jerry could tell me, that'd be sweet. <laughs> I'd love that. Um, I know one thing. We love it here. We're supposed to be here. Uh, it's been awesome for um, my family. As far as our football program goes, we got to take one more big step forward, and we know it. Our players know it. Our coaches know it. If we can do it, we could be here for a long time and be really successful for a long time, but we've got to take that step, and that's my job as a, as a football coach is to find out where, where can we do that. Can we do it through – you know, continuing to, to, to add some facilities here and there or to add new players or new coaches or what, what is it? We just got to continue to scour for those new ways that we can take that next step forward, and that's that's important to me that we, we take those steps. Jerry, you got well, a pretty good coach I, I, here. Very good. And yes. I, I've said this before that there's a magic sauce to good coaches. We have a lot of good coaches at Weber State, and there's some similarities between the really good ones and you know, the really good ones think they're about to get fired next week all the time. They're, so they're competing against themselves. Their standards are much higher than, than the external stakeholders. <laughs> so they they, uh, they have a way of just fighting every day to get better without being pushed. They don't need to be pushed. And Jay's going to be successful wherever he is and whatever he does because he just has he has that magic sauce. We, you know, he knows that's – I mean, our, our thing is is to continue to make this place – a place where he can thrive and it's good for his family and you know he lives in a good place he's got good neighbors he's in a good situation for the situation in life right now people sometimes get everything ahead and say what you know what's the future hold that's a it's a hard question who knows what the future for anyone for any so you know being present living in the moment and being good at what we're doing right now is really the key and and he's right there so you know i got to do my job to, to get to yes at least 90 percent of the time with him and uh, better make sure that that 10% is is right. And I think we're in a good spot there, and we just keep fighting every day to get better. Well, Coach, thanks for joining us. This is awesome. It's been fun. We didn't laugh as much. I think that's my fault. I get too serious sometimes, <laughs> stupid old football coach. But anyway, next time you can crack a bunch of jokes. and We'll do that. How's the golf game? <laughs> horrible. That's the, good. Uh, he's pretty good. He's really good, but yes. I'm glad that it's horrible right now. No, because <laughs> I, I – uh, yeah, I've I've been driving down back and forth to Salt Lake two or three times a day, and it's that's put a damper on the golf game. But I don't know. Hopefully, after this transplant, Sarah will pick up golf, and there you go. We can play together or something. Good. Well, again, thanks for joining us, Jay Hill. Football season just about to start. Only a hundred days away or so. Get September second, it all begins. Get your season tickets and come Great out and support uh, the Wildcats. Uh, visit WeberStateTickets.com for more information. And again, the season begins. You can follow Jay Hill on social media, see what he has to say, and follow the Wildcats as well. Thanks for joining us for another podcast uh, uh, for Weber State Athletic Director. I'm Paul Groa, and go Wildcats.